We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast, talking Oklahoma City Thunder basketball and the wider NBA. Sam Presti said, lower the hatch, load up the cannon, and get the tank out rolling. Catch new episodes after each Thunder game and every Sunday night. This is a house of learning doctors. Follow the Uncontested on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to catch new content as it drops. I mean, a cat and a dog connected together? This is Lou Dork. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested podcast. Coming to you live Sunday, December 12th, 9 p.m. Central Time, as always on Sundays. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffen. Got my boy Taylor Peterson along for the ride tonight. Chiefs looked great. That was nice. Uh, but the Thunder, not so much. Not so much. We've got Kami Armarabian fresh off his first semester for a PhD. I'm exhausted. And, <laughs> dead but, inside. Uh, yeah, a little bit dead inside. But I'm uh, I'm, I'm just chilling. I just wa- I watched the Thunder get their doors blown off. And that, that's uh, that's a great way to start the start my semester break. There you go. We've also got J.D. Silva making the magic happen. Holy Santa Claus shit. <laughs> What's up? Right on keel. We are proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of SI Thunder. Shout out to everyone joining us on the stream tonight. If you haven't joined us on the stream before, highly encourage you to join us Sunday nights, 9 p.m. on YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook. Come hang out with us. Have a good time. Get your questions, your comments in. We'd love to chat with you. Just in the podcast version, thanks for downloading our show, man. We appreciate it. The Thunder did play a game tonight, as has been mentioned already. They lost to the Dallas Mavericks, the Lucas Dallas Mavericks, 103-84. to So we're going to break that one down for you. I was going to talk about uh, Alexei Pokashevsky, Darius Baisley, some tank updates, some around the association. We've got a whole show scheduled for you guys tonight. But, gentlemen, let's start with this Thunder-Dallas game. Dallas comes in without Luka. At halftime, the Thunder lose Lou Dort. The Thunder just struggled to offensively make anything happen in the second half, get um, obliterated in the paint and on the glass. I think that's really the difference to the game. Taylor, what, if anything, do you take away from this one? Oh, man. Um, 
You know, after a week where I thought the Thunder, especially rebounding from that 73-point loss to the Grizzlies, um, they came out with a lot of intensity and effort on both ends of the floor across the entire roster. Um, there was other guys stepping up besides Shane Lou, but you also saw Shea get into a groove, which uh, helped a ton, and obviously Lou as well. So the first half happens, you know, obviously Shea is struggling. Um, the Mavericks are doing what a lot of teams have done against OKC, and they're packing the paint. Often you'd see Shea drive and have three defenders on him, kick out to an open shooter, and the other, you know, his teammates weren't making making the Mavs pay. Um, and then you lose Lou right before halftime with, it's it, kind of weird. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. actually kind of had a similar thing happen, uh, I guess like the quarter before where they both just kind of like non-contact ankle twist. And so the Thunder come out and say that Lou is out the rest of the game with a left ankle sprain. So something to keep an eye on. Hopefully it's nothing too serious. But when you take away that, I mean, another main score for OKC this season, consistently the second best score on the team. And you have Shea, who has another off night, isn't able to get that step back three going and can't really finish around the length and size of the Mavericks. You know, nobody else was there to make the Mavericks pay. Nobody was there to step up in the scoring absence of Lou Dort. Now, on the defensive end, I think there's a lot to be left desire there as well. Yeah, it felt like they, whenever Lou went out, was when, that's an interesting comment. Um, <laughs> whenever Lou went out, it felt like that's when Jalen Brunson uh, really got loose and uh, it kind of spelled negativity for the Thunder. I want to talk about Shea for a second, though. Even though I, he's really struggled shooting the three-point ball this season, uh, only one of five again tonight. He's sub-30% for the year, uh, six of 15 from the floor. But I thought he had a lot of really nice passes and really nice moves to the basket where he created a lot of space on like step backs and really had the mid-range jumper going tonight, which I, I thought was really impressive. Silva, uh, what are your thoughts on, on Shea tonight? I like, I like the mentality that he has while he's out there right now. I think kind of, especially after Lou went out, I think he knows that he like has to do it. He has to have a really high usage, which is, I don't think it's going to be his, the future with his team. So he's just kind of trying shit. Um, and it, it, trying shit looks a lot better earlier in the season than it does right now for Shea. Um, like you were talking about, the step back three is not looking, it's just not going in right now which is uh, weird because like the footwork is good he's squared up yeah the Shot stroke looks, looks, good. looks good there's good. rotation good. on the ball just yeah. it doesn't go in the basket yeah it, it most of his shots look good um it's just not not falling for him right now and I'm they're like concerned. they're halfway they're getting like halfway down and rattling out it's very frustrating mm-hmm. i'm sure it's very frustrating for him yeah um no i'm, I'm not too concerned with the future of shea i'm i, I hope lou dort can get back because that's just going to be even more attention or even more eyes looking at shea at all times um it would help uh if josh giddy could get his three going uh but he had a rough night offensively i think three of 14 from the four for giddy uh, just for comparison's sake this is something that i would like to see well i say that i mean shea is to your point J- uh jacob Shea is playing within the offense, trying to get others involved. Um, He's not trying to just force things, but still only 15 shot attempts for comparison's sake. You robbed Josh Giddy uh, Silva, three of 14 from the floor. Um, Only one less shot attempt than Shea without Lou, especially there in the second half. It would have been, I don't know. There's a part of me that would like to see Shea be a little more aggressive, but that, I mean, you know, beggars can't be choosers. You can't eat your cake and have it too kind of thing when, you know, you want Shea to play within the offense as well and try and get others involved. So 
I don't know. It's kind of a double-edged sword there. How can you guys come on in here and say like, oh, Shea's inefficient. He did this. He did that. While also like rooting for the tank. That's what I also, that's what I don't understand. What I do also don't understand is like, hopefully Ludor can get back. Well, if you're, if you want to get Chet or if you want to <laughs> get uh Boncaro or whatever else, uh, then you might be hoping that Lou stays out an extended period of time. And so like when we talk about, you know, Joseph in the chat says SGA misses too many open players and try to get his own. No, quite literally nobody else on this team can actually like, shoot the ball well and create their own shot. Unless your name is Trey Mann, who he actually played okay tonight. And, and he says stupid comment time. So you've got your answer right there. You, you, you don't need to read the rest of that statement. And so like what I don't get is why people would criticize Shea and like, oh, he's so inefficient. Well, there's a reason why he's so inefficient. Everybody has looked at this team and said, okay, well, that guy's new. That guy's new. That guy can't hit a jump shot. That guy can't hit a jump shot. Pretty much anybody not named Shea or Mike Muscala can't hit a damn jump shot. So, like, I'm tired of the people who are like, well, they just struggled. Well, no crap, they struggled. They're getting, they're tanking. <laughs> they're at the bottom of the standings. So, like, what are you expecting? Are you expecting other, like, are you expecting other players just to step up and start winning? Of course, like, last year, people were all in, or some people were all in on the tank, and some people were on the competitive side of the tank. And then, like, once the losing became, like, unbearable, some people started to get upset. And But I'm happy because that means the tickets are, like, two bucks now. <laughs> um, but also, like, you have this continuation of this Thunder tanking because you're going to be tanking this year, going to be tanking next year, and maybe after that, you're fine. And so people need to stop griping and complaining about it. And like, I don't get like, oh, he's inefficient. Well, he's inefficient because he has three eyeballs on him. People are literally ball watching because they know nobody else in the Thunder can hit a shot. And so I'm just sick of it. I'm, that, that's my piece. Yeah, whenever Shea has an incredible ability to, to get past the initial line of defense so easily. But if you freeze the frame right there in your TV there are three more defenders that have at least one foot in the lane right at the free throw line, like anxiously awaiting for him to, to get to that spot. And so it, it makes it like incredibly difficult because yeah, it's, I mean, it's that whole idea of gravity and, and there is no gravity pulling people out and opening up that lane. Kamir, one guy that you and I have actually talked about quite a bit that I've been, been pretty pleased with, this week that I wanted to get because you and I texted a lot during the the Lakers game about him. Um, Trey Mann seems to have found something out. Limited minutes tonight. I wonder how much of that was due to uh, he did kind of tweak his ankle a little yeah, bit there in the first half yeah. and came out for a while. Um, but just your thoughts on on what Trey has been able to do and kind of what you see, hope to see from him as this year and the next couple of years for him progress. I mean, it's pretty clear he's got an offensive handle. He understands where he wants to go with the ball. Don't forget, he was a point guard when he came out of college. He wasn't a shooting guard. So he knows how to conduct an offense. He knows, uh, like, you know, he can dribble pretty well. He's another ball handler on the court. That's what you want for OKC. When OKC was at its best, they had several ball handlers on the court. Uh, like, for example, when you injected, when, when CP3 was with OKC, you had CP3, you had Shea, you had Dort, you had, uh, who else am I missing? 
uh, Dennis Schroeder. You could throw all those dudes, and then like Gallinari at the five, he had a small ball, and he had four, three, at least three guys on the court at the same time that could handle the ball and actually finish pretty well. And now you have realistically on this team, I mean, Trey Mann, he's got a little bit of a handle, uh, and he can get up. His his whole deal coming out of college was he was able to three, he was able to get separation, get his own jump shot, but also three point shooting. And we haven't really necessarily seen consistent three point shooting. Again, that means like he, you know, like in practice and before the season started, he was having his shot blocked, uh, and so that meant he needed to take a quicker release. You look at Josh Giddy, of course, he needs to tighten his handle because that's where a lot of teams are getting him. And so I mentioned like, hey, can Trey Mann turn to something like Derek White? Uh, can Trey Mann turn to something that is kind of like a combo guard where he's got a little bit, hand, a little bit of a handle? Uh, he can play defense, especially if he, if he bulks up a little bit more. He Because like, he's 6'5". He doesn't look 6'5 on the court because he's so skinny. He looked 6'5 on that dunk the other night, though. Yeah, and so he, <laughs> he's got hops. He can get up. And so... I mean, I'm pretty high on him. Um, I'm really excited to see what he can do in the future. He's a guy that I think will stay in the NBA for a minute. Um, he's he's clearly belongs on the floor. He's been playing defense, not at a high level, but at a high level, considering that he was a mid-round pick in the first rounder, not in the lottery. So he's mm-hmm. he's definitely taking that defense to heart and just facilitating more offense. But as at the same time, you saw this offense. You saw them make really stupid mistakes. You saw them make really stupid passes, et cetera, because they're a young team. Yeah. I think Trey has such a unique game, and and I mentioned it tonight on Twitter. Like His ability to create separation is like upper-tier NBA elite. Like He can lose nearly anybody on that crossover step back. And I think the shot will definitely come around. We know he can shoot it. It's just a matter of finding that consistency. And he's a rookie, you know, it'll, it'll come around eventually, but the, the ceiling, because he has those skills and those tools, like place him in just a completely different tier than guys like Teo Maladon and, and Ty Jerome. Like he's one of the higher ceiling guys on the team because of his creation, especially his self creation ability. Um, that's that's like something special that not a lot of players have. And if they have it and they can really find it, um, it can be special. I I think the Derek White comp is interesting. I mentioned uh, Gary Trent Jr. the other night, just that as far was, as like the flamethrower like shooting. Uh, I've you heard like some Jordan people Cole. talk like uh, CJ McCollum level <laughs> comps. Now, will he ever be like as good as CJ? I don't think so. <laughs> but the style of play is yeah. somewhat similar. Secondary ball handler, uh, creator, uh, shooter off the dribble type of guy, Seth Curry. God, if he le- reached that level yes. of shooting, shooting. That's like, yeah, right. Yeah. That, and he has a little more separation. No, I thought Royce phrased this really well. He had a tweet today, Royce Young, uh, right after Trey Mann uh, came in the game almost immediately there towards the end of the first quarter and had just that nasty uh, crossover uh, <laughs> step back three where he created just ridiculous amounts of separation and then drained the three point shot. Uh, Roy said, Trey Mann does something every game now that really makes you think he can become a real, or he can be a real good player. And I think that's true. Like what we're seeing is more and more flashes, uh, particularly on the offensive end, but he's been playing really good defense as well. Uh, There's some flashes of that tonight also. And just more confidence, I think, on on both ends of the floor. He's he's more confident in his abilities against, uh, he's kind of adjusting to the the new talent level in the NBA. 
And it's been really impressive to kind of see him um, improve in real time the more and more minutes he's getting. To your point, Jacob, like I would love to see him be getting more minutes. Um, for example, tonight, I think it would have been a great opportunity for Trey to get those starting minutes in the second half over uh, Teo, like Teo um, and, and lose absence with his injury. But that's kind of, to Kamir's point earlier, kind of what the season is all about. And, um, you know, I think a season, even next season potentially, but specifically two seasons from now, like Trey will be getting those kind of minutes. Um, you won't be having to explore Teo Maladone and some of these other guys like that. I wish somebody would have asked coach post game about why he chose to start Teo yeah. in that second half when Lou was out over Trey. I wonder if Trey did tweak that ankle a little much and they try to get him in the second that's, half and get some run. That's a good point. Also, he was just hurting if, if they thought Teo was going to be a better defender on uh, Brunson. I'm I'm not really sure what the what the thought process was there. I would have liked to to hear them and and get an answer from that. So, but it's a. Uh, I think there's there's a lot there. Silva, do you have anything to add on Trey Mann? No, I just keep thinking about how Teo started the second half. <laughs> I was very upset <laughs> with that. Um, yeah, Trey Trey just keeps showing stuff that kind of makes me makes me excited, and I, and I want to see uh, more and more and more. One guy I also wanted to talk about. Kamiar uh, mentioned him mentioned him just a little bit ago. Mike Muscala is yeah. the like. I don't know that I tweeted out a meme tonight that I said, is this the white Steph Curry? Just, <laughs> I think I'll look it up real quick, but he's shooting something like 45% from three this season. And it's just absolutely ridiculous. He comes in and the pick and pop between him and any of the guards is so, so, so good. Lethal, almost automatic. Yeah. This season from three, he is 43% on four attempts a game. Yeah, not bad. I made Pretty. a joke. I made a joke last year that like, would you rather have Mike Muscala or Kevin Love right now? He's shooting like that. <laughs> it's yeah. a fair point. <laughs> yeah, he's, it's a really fair point. He has been he, a flamethrower for you sure. Know, when he first came to OKC that first season, he is small for a center um, in terms of frame, not so much height, and maybe a little bit of height too. But he did struggle battling down low some, uh, specifically on the defensive end of the floor. And I feel like he's really improved over the past couple of seasons leading up to this season. Um, he's really able to battle down low. For example, in that first quarter, <laughs> when we'll have to talk about Moses Brown. But when Moses Brown came in and, and was kind of tearing up JRE, um, you know, Favors provided a little bit of a stopgap, but then you're able to throw in Muskie. And I thought he did a good job battling down low as well. And he's contesting shots on the defensive end of the floor. It has become a bit of a rim protector. So I think that's it, it's another guy just like Kenrich is going to going to be really interesting, especially as we head into this week when more and more players from other teams are available to be traded again, um, and heading into the trade deadline. Like, are there going to be offers too good to pass up for guys like Muscala and Kenrich, or does Presley just not care and view them as untradeable because they want to be in OKC and that's what matters to him? It's going to be interesting. Kamiar, speaking of trades, and and I know we're still talking about this Dallas game. Moses Brown, potential trade target for the Oklahoma City Thunder? I don't care. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, if you put somebody on the court, like, for example, JRE is like, what, six foot eight, 
on a good day. Mm-hmm. And if you put somebody on the court that is roughly, I don't know, four or five inches taller than him, typically you're gonna have a you're gonna have a good game. Uh why do you why do we all think that he dominated the G League so much? And so like the people like during this game on Twitter and wherever else, like, oh, okay, see, so threw away this and they got Trey Man instead. What what a bunch of goobers in it's like in the reality of the situation, Moses Brown is not going to move the needle for your team at all. Did he kill OKC? Yeah. Well, so did 18 other teams or so did teams 18 other times this year. And, and a lot of OKC. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of the wins for OKC came from behind double digits to where they should probably only have won four games. And so the whole this Brown thing is overblown. And I remember who said that like he was worth a first round pick. Was it Bill Simmons? Because that guy's a jackass. I don't know who it was. <laughs> like there's a lot, there's a lot of different talking heads that actually don't watch the games at score watch. And people are like, Oh, he's doing well. Okay. So he shouldn't have given him up. Despite the fact that he has a low basketball IQ and all he does is park his ass in the paint and just hopes to get rebounds. That's literally all he does. And that's not indicative of the modern NBA game. Like you look at the modern NBA game, go look at what the Warriors are doing. Go look at what, um, go look at what the Suns are doing. That's the modern NBA. Having some guy that has cinder blocks for feet or his feet that are trapped in concrete, in concrete buckets. That's not the modern NBA. Uh, and so, for if you're still like on the Moses Brown train, especially after this game, like, dude. You don't understand basketball that, that well. Ain't I'm, it, so, I'm sorry. That ain't, ain't a statue. Um, I just looked it up. Moses Brown has five inches and 25 pounds on Jeremiah Robinson Earl. <laughs> That'll that's do. like that's like adding another five-year-old to Jeremiah like, Robinson Earl. I got to uh, jump on with our friends over at the Math Setback Podcast, another Blue Wire podcast with Dallas with Dalton Trigg, and um, over on the Playback app. Say two Thunder fans because this is something we're going to look into. It's really cool. Uh, basically you get to like watch the live stream of the game and then we kind of do what we're doing now and we have like little circles down the bottom corner and we all can talk and stuff that kind of like break down the game as it's happening it was it was a lot of fun but a lot of mouse fans were excited tonight um and and look like (laughs) this is a fan base that i kind of felt beaten down especially with luca not being completely healthy um luca being out of shape etc etc having jason kidd as their coach right right right. i got asked about that that was fun uh But one bright spot for them today was and tonight was Moses Brown and Green. They're what second, third year player now. I think Green's second in his second year. Yeah, second year, um, and they both played well and contributed. <laughs> and I just made the comment it was like, you know, uh, Moses Brown played this role for us as well last season, especially in the latter half of the season when Shea was out, um, Al Horford sitting, and Moses Brown provides some fun sparks for us fans to cheer for, but not really a player I think that that's going to like. Kamiar mentioned translate to wins. There's a reason Uh, he's bounced around the league. Right. And the reason he did what he did tonight against a team like OKC where he should have, where he should have done that uh, just based off his size and athletic ability. So Mm -hmm. I I mean, he's, he's a massive human being. I was, I was surprised that whenever he was in, there was multiple times where he was in um, at the same time Moses Brown was in, sorry, Moses (laughs) Brown was in the same time Mike Muscala was in. Yep. And I, 
just kept asking myself, why are you not just running pick and roll, pick and pop at that guy over and over and over? Because as soon as his man sets a screen, he sinks back to about five feet in front of the rim and just stands there. You could get Muscala just wide open three after wide open three after wide open three because Moses Brown just cannot defend the pick and roll. And kind of back to what Kamiar was saying about cinder blocks for feet. If you can't move move your feet in the pick and roll, you're you're in massive trouble in today's NBA. And um, I was kind of surprised the Thunder didn't didn't just attack that, especially the Thunder, knowing who Moses Brown is, watching him play yeah, all last know. season. I did think it was fun whenever he and Poku got matched up, though, because it's like the same height but a sixty pound difference. <laughs> and those two guys tag teamed the G League bubble last year as teammates, and then going at each other um, in the in this game tonight as, as opponents, I thought was kind was of kind fun. of funny. So uh, you guys have any more thoughts on this game tonight? Another, the Thunder just, kept it close for most of the game it was five to 10 point game until that fourth quarter where the Thunder just could not score any points. Yep. And, and the Mavs just kind of boat raced them there at the end. And okay. So he just could never close the gap. I will mention Lou Dort. Um, again, he only played the first half. He had sadly um, had 10 points and was the, was tied for the third highest scorer on the team after playing only one half of basketball was mm-hmm. on pace, I think to have a fair, probably another 20 point game. Um, but with tonight's game and another made three, he now has 40 games, I believe on the dot of uh, consecutive games uh, with a three pointer made. And that is the second highest streak in the NBA behind only Steph Curry. Now it's a wild stat. Uh, it, it's a wild stat and it makes sense. in in a way doesn't necessarily mean um, that he's become like this knockdown three-point shooter and three and D guy. But when you take that into consideration with the leap in his three-point percentage and um, the multiple three-pointers he's making within games, at one point he had a streak of like, I, think, I want to say it was seven or more games where he had made consecutive, or sorry, more than one three-pointer in a game. Um, it, it's been really fun to see that leap from Lou. And I hope that a season like this, where he is getting more opportunity than he would maybe on like a championship contending or a playoff contending team um, on the offensive end of the floor, it's just going to pay dividends down the road. So thought I mentioned it. Uh, if you look at the breakdown for Lou this season, uh, in October, shot 22% from three. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in November, he shot 34% from three. In December, he is currently shooting 38% from three. So you're seeing it slowly start now to crawl back up. He's back up to about 34% on the season on like seven attempts a game. So he's, it's definitely volume shooting uh, and the stroke is coming around. So the, the 40 games in a row is pretty impressive, but this is kind of just who Lou has become at this point. Yep. You know, he hits three of eight, two of eight, three of eight threes a night scores you 15 to 20 points and is going to defend the best player on the opposing team every night, unless it's the center. Yep. It's been a, been pretty impressive stuff. So, some other guys I want to talk about and their performance tonight, but also just their performance really over the past week that I think is interesting. Let's start with, and Silva, if you have some stats queued up here, mm-hmm. let's start with Darius Baisley. The roller coaster continues with this guy. Uh, the the fall from the top, uh, you know, like I guess that's, I don't ride roller coasters. Uh, they make me like motion sick, but <laughs> you know, at the start, the roller coaster like climbs up and you got that anticipation. It gets to the top. Then you free fall. The free fall has been going for a while for Darius Baisley. Yes, it has. And then tonight 
10 points, six rebounds, two assists, three blocks, 50% from three. Um, Silva, what, what has he done the rest of this week? Yeah, uh, if you start out, we can try to ignore the Memphis game, but the dude was essentially asleep during that entire game. That was terrible. You mean the uh, team? Yeah. You mean the yeah. state? Yeah, the next True. two games were pretty good. Uh, against Detroit, he put up seven points, seven rebounds, two steals, three blocks, which is like what you would want from him on a night-to-night basis. Um, and then against Toronto, 15 points, five rebounds, two steals, and a block. Uh, slightly worse game after that against the Lakers. Uh, nine points, six or seven rebounds, two assists, three steals, no blocks. And then tonight, three more blocks. Um, so I think he's starting with his defense. What have you? Do you feel like he's reaching some level of consistency on that end? I think blocks are like a big way he's impacting uh, the team. Come here, Taylor. I'll let you start off on this one. Okay, I'll go ahead and go. Um, me and Jake argued about this for a minute the other day, um, because he hates Darius Baisley on this team. And if you think about it, like, just, just look at Bays from like a, a, like from an adolescent psychology point of view, the man does. Okay. Mr. Doctor, the man does, (laughs) the man does best when he's not thinking and just doing. So for example, if he's catching fire three or if he ha- if he catches in the dunker spot for the most part when when he's like not thinking and just actively doing, he's actually pretty okay in the offensive end as well and takes the shots that he needs to. But yep. when he's actively thinking too much, especially on the offensive end, uh it's very apparent that he has no idea what he's doing going one-on-one against Chris Stapps and a couple other guys <laughs> in the paint like what are you doing? Uh, that's where he had too much time to think instead of just passing it back out to Shea or Giddy or, you know, Trey Mann. On defense, I mean, defense, he's he's taking a step up. And so one of the reasons why me and Jake started arguing about this the other day was like, okay, well, his offense is terrible, but we didn't, like, his defense has been fantastic, and he's taking a step up here. And so, like, we care about how good somebody was a defender two years ago and even defended Ferg, which is like almost blasphemy at this point, because I'd rather have Bays than Ferg, if we're being quite honest. And so like, we're going to defend Ferg, despite the fact that he has no offensive bone in his body. And, but we're going to immediately like ostracize Bays, which makes no sense at all. Despite the fact, like, if Bays, like, is guarding Chris Stapps, which blew my mind. I don't know why he's guarding Chris Stapps. Uh, Not like, a lot of options. At, at, at the same time, <laughs> you don't have many options. Like, yeah. Muscala came in a couple times and did some stuff. But, like, of course, this team is built to lose. They are built to tank. Like, that's quite literally what they're doing. And so, Bays, is he good again? I mean, offensively, no. Will he ever be good on offense? Probably not. Will he be a rotation player in the NBA one day? Maybe. Is he going to be a guy that you can throw in there on defense and, like, he'll be maybe reliable because he takes that to heart? Because him and Mark have had heart-to-heart conversations about, like, knowing your role. And clearly, he's understood his role as far as, okay, well, obviously, I'm not the best offensive player, and he obviously knows that. And so becoming one of the better defensive players on the court and trying to go out and guard the best defense guard, the best offensive player on the court that is a wing and not somebody that's a guard, like somebody like Lou would guard. Then 
that's where you that's where you've got him. He's he's in he's found his niche. And so that's where you want to put him. Now, does that warrant him starting? Obviously not. Um, but we'll we'll see or where like it goes from there. Term. So, like, is he good again? No. Was he ever <laughs> good to begin with? No. Uh, will he be good one day? Maybe. Is he gonna be a role player one day? Quite possibly. Is he ever gonna be a starter in the NBA? No. So, like, <laughs> I don't like it, the whole like Bayes experiment. That's it's the entire OKC team, with the exception of Shea um, and maybe Lou Dort. Everybody else is. What are they? So, like, True. we could do it. We, we could do a, a. You could see on the if you're watching this on YouTube or on Twitter or wherever else you're watching this on Facebook. You can see, like, it says Darius Baisley's stock report right beneath my face. You could do stock <laughs> report on every damn player on this team with the exception of Shea and still, like, have a decent conversation. So, like, is he yeah. good again? I don't know. It's, it's a young team. They're the youngest team in the NBA, dude. Yeah. I like what you said about, like, Baisley being at his best when he's not overthinking when he's just playing within the flow of the offense and, and knows his role. Um, I think the epitome of that would have been the very beginning of the game. He knocks down two great uh, spot up threes. He, he I, I forget who kicked out to him. Um, three threes within, or sorry, two threes within the motion of the offense really kind of kickstarted the Thunder's offense. He had the first, first eight points of the game. First eight point. Wow. So it was even more than those first three. Um but then he goes like, and, and Jacob, you mentioned this in our Slack, you and call me are, and I think all of us were talking about it. He like goes down and then has like some ISO play in the next possession where he is trying to drive on Christoph Porzingis and just gets his shit stuffed because he's got like it's, Moses Brown and KP and Lord knows who else down. I, I love it, but it's like he hits a catch and shoot three. He finishes like an easy layup in transition. He hits another catch and shoot three. And it's like me eating Oreos. It's like, I know I shouldn't do another one. I, I know I shouldn't go in again, but it's like, he just can't help himself. He's he like, all right, himself. this time I'm going to double jab step, spin out of it, drive to the rim and try to cut across and the lane. Just and you're just like, Oh, it, somebody. Yeah. It's like, it's no, like, like you're not going to do that. He almost had would have been one of the, the dunks of the year for the thunder off of a, a giddy yep. pass on an alley-oop that he just, and he just missed it. He just doinked it. Ugh, but, that was awful. I, I, yeah. I think that, him that point is like right on the head where when he doesn't think and he can be a play finisher, it's not bad, but whenever he, it's just, he always tries to do a little more than he should tries to ISO a little too much. Yep. And, and at that point he just, he doesn't have that ability and just, maybe, maybe he's starting to learn that and that's nice, but I'm on record. I, I did a, I did the Toronto post game where he was like seven of eight and yep. played really well. And I said, you know, he had that five game stretch earlier this season. If he is still being consistent come um, mid January, mid February, uh, I will be very happy. But uh, right now, I'm not willing to say, like, oh, he's turned a corner or anything like that, just because we've had this conversation way too many times. Right. Uh, we'll gladly eat our crow. And just to your all's points, I think uh, so. I pulled up his last five games, uh, his averages per game over that this last five game stretch, which essentially is this week um, plus <laughs> two from the week prior. Um, 1.6 blocks per game and 1.4 steals per game kind of goes to what Silva was talking about, his, his uh, 
his increased role on the defensive end of the floor has been impressive. He is making an impact on that side. I mean, obviously there's other defensive stats as well, but the, the blocks stood out to Silva and, um, that just kind of proves what Silva was talking about. He is, uh, I think his timing on the, the, in protecting around the rim is continuing to improve, uh, 8.8 points on 6.2 field goal attempts, which isn't like fantastic, but <laughs> within that span, he's shooting 54.8% from the floor. Um, he bad. is attempting three three-pointers a game, which I think is probably about perfect for him and shooting 40% from the floor, or sorry, 40% from three from the floor during that stretch. It gets a little more interesting when you look at like his per 36, um, but just from a per game standpoint, I think that kind of backs up what we all have been talking about during this Baisley segment. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah. Um, in watching the Toronto game the other night, I had the thought. I think in Baisley's mind, Baisley can be Pascal Siakam, the big long wing that can dribble the ball and handle and do everything. Yep. Um, but in reality, that's that's not who he's going to be if he's going to have an NBA career. And again, I'll double down on this because I've said it multiple times. And Kamiar, you hit it on the head earlier. His defense has been good. Like I, I have been very pleased with the way he defends uh he is really grinding on that end he's working his ass off he had lebron the other night he had kp tonight uh he had i just mentioned pascal siakam against toronto he is doing a very good job defensively and he's like realizing what players are trying to do against him in game and trying to take those things away and it's been really nice and defensively he's been solid you just hope he finds that consistency offensively and Silva, I'm interested to hear your your input on this part. I just worry that his, his leash is running out because you have another four draft picks coming up in June. And then the next season, you have another three draft picks. Now, we all assume they're going to start consolidating at some point. But at some point in time, you have to start opening up playing time for these younger guys that have higher ceilings. 
and or trading for somebody that fits better with the guys that are home run hits, right? Yeah. So so at some point, if Baisley doesn't put it together and really show you something something nice, like you've got to rotate guys out because you got new bodies coming in, right? Yeah, at most you can't keep starting Bays. You have to see if he's okay with coming off the bench and playing in, with with that second unit because a lot of the guys that OKC could draft can't play next to Bays. I don't think, right? Like yeah, I mean, Paolo, if, if you draft Paolo, you're not going to play him next to Bays. Yeah, if you draft Jabari, you're not playing him next to Bays. If I mean, it's a it's a lot of big wings, kind of at the top of this upcoming draft, and uh, at the rate the Thunder are going, they're going to end up with another top five, top six pick. Yeah. So it's like, do you want to extend this guy just going to play on your bench? Yeah, it, it becomes an just... interesting conundrum. Well, speaking of guys playing off the bench that are wings that uh, you have to make a decision on at some point, let's talk about Poku, who for the past two games, we, you want to talk about small sample size, and we, we can't make a determination on if they've turned a corner or not. Against the Lakers the other night and then against Dallas tonight, a much more... I'm interested if you guys agree with this. A much more assertive Poku that everyone in the world thought that first quarter tonight, he missed that three by about 12 feet when it was actually a pass to Mike Muscala. He had two shot pass type things. Just looks a little more aggressive and confident out there. Shot still isn't falling, but I've liked some of the things offensively that I've seen from him um, over the past week or so. Am I right to get my hopes up? I mean, Poku is like my child, and I know there are certain people <laughs> that listen to this podcast that are probably going to throw their phone out the window at this point in the podcast. But I just, I kind of like with Trey Mann, I just, I see these flashes of things that other guys can't do. And it's like, man, if he can find consistency with that, and he's what, still 19 years old, 20 years old, whatever, like he's mm-hmm. still, he's I think, young. 15th youngest guy in the league or whatever. There's something there. I, I just hope that he can at some point find it. You guys want to hear a sad stat related to Poku, but mainly uh, in, uh, mainly involves the team as a whole. Poku led all players for this team in rebounds tonight with nine rebounds. <laughs> Good. Hey, that's him. not bad. He, what do you have, like, like three points, nine rebounds, four assists tonight or something yeah, like that? Well, four points, got, uh, nine rebounds, three assists on one of five shooting. A guy that's one, like seven foot one and has like a seven th- th- foot three wingspan should be pulling down rebounds. Kind of like so, Moses Brown. Very true. Oh, <laughs> hey, like, he out-rebounded Moses Brown tonight. Somebody <laughs> and, had to say it. And so, like, Alexei Pokashevsky is like, what? Two two months two months older than Josh Giddy, that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's four and, months and, younger than Chet Holmgren. Chet. Yeah. Uh, younger, disgusting. That's Darius Baisley, for those of you that don't know, is actually like only four months older than JRE. And so people want to talk about like, oh man, JRE is so good. Well, he also is fundamentally good because he went to Villanova. Jay Wright, by the way, Jay Wright and Villanova, they got crushed today. They did. Uh, Baylor, but, they awesome. Baylor and they Baylor, look fantastic. Yeah. yeah. But so people want to be like, oh, well, Jerry, it's okay. He makes the mistakes because he's young, but then don't apply that to Darius Baisley because he's been in the league for how many years? So there's that. Then you've got Poku, who, like, again, stock report. Oh, okay. Let's talk about stock reports of everybody <laughs> under the age of 23, right? Or, uh, yeah, that would be Aaron Wiggins, Dort, Baisley, Crutchy. 
JRE, Trey Mann, Teo, Alexi, and Josh Giddy. Literally, you could do a stock report for everybody all the damn time. And so, talking about Alexi Pokashevsky, does he do things that are exciting? Yeah. Does he still not use his length at all on defense sometimes? Also, yeah. Is his shot still really, really, really flat? Yeah, sometimes, although there is a little bit more arc in it, you can see. Is he still like kind of like sh- pushing the shot instead of like putting like I guess shooting the shot at shooting the shard? Yeah, shooting the shard. <laughs> That's what the OKC did against Memphis the other day. Um, shooting a shot at the apex of his jump shot, where it's like a smooth release and not something that's kind of like a more forward release. That's more, more streaky. Uh, yeah. Uh, so. As far as Poku goes, he shows flashes of like brilliance because like he's got the behind the back passes and yeah, he's really fun to watch. The back pass at the same today. time, the very next play he's going to do something really stupid and be very frustrating. At the same time, the very next play, he's going to be a guy that swats your shot and then you know pushes it up the court. So you never know what you're going to get with these guys, especially a guy that's still 19 years old. What is it? Um, JRE just got legally able, just legally became able to drink like a month ago. Yeah. Trey Mann, Teo, Alexi, and Josh Giddy, even though Josh Giddy's from Australia and their drinking Could age drink is younger than 21. Uh, you got four guys. Here. You've got two guys that can't drink for two years. Yeah. Two guys that can't drink for one year. And then you've got a slew of guys that just now are able to actually consume alcohol legally anyways. (laughs) And so like, again, you come back to the youth of this team and to judge the youth of this team is just so funny to me because again, what are fans expecting? Like what, what do you want from this team? You should go to the, you should go to the games expecting to lose. And if they win cool, but at the same time, also not cool because if you want to make this team better as a small market and not have only to endure this one longer. way yeah. you can get that stuff. And so is OKC going to select every draft pick ever for the rest of however many years? No, at least they shouldn't. And I highly doubt they do. And that's why the whole Bill Simmons of, of the world and all the people that are suggesting, well, People, other owners are going to start to, you know, ramp up the price on players because Sam Presti owns so many draft picks can get the hell out of here because that's not how the NBA works. That's not how the world works. Yeah. Like that's, that's not like, that's not how anything works. When you have capital, you use it. And Sam Presti is not a Danny Ainge where you're just going to not use your picks and then be like later, two months later, well, we tried to use them, but uh, we didn't do anything. And (laughs) so, like, so the, the whole thing about Poku, he's up and down, just like everybody else on this damn roster should be up and down. Yeah. I mean, just like I we mean, talked about Baisley. Derek Favors and Mike Muscala are the only guys that are not really up and down. Now, Derek Favors is not doing himself any, any fa- <laughs> Derek Favors is not doing himself any favors because a he's not being played as much and his and his talents are not going to be on display. I just found out Mike Muscala and I's birthdays are two days apart, and that's fun. <laughs> that's big time. Um, we, like for, for real, Mike. Me and Mike. Awesome. Me and Mike I'll... were born two year, two days apart because he I'll... was born July first, ninety one, and I was born Bob July third, ninety one. Yeah, I'll hit up Bob see if we can get a joint birthday yeah. going. Let's 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 <laughs> let's do that. And so everybody on this team is like like you don't know what you're gonna get, and so. 
It's like Again, a box of chocolates. Fans need <laughs> to temper their expectations. So, like you mentioned, Kenrich, you, every, everybody on this podcast, I've listened to the podcast when I've been busy, like doing other things, like especially like doctoral work and all that other stuff. <laughs> like Kenrich, like Jacob said, like Taylor said, I think even uh, I think even uh, Silva said would be likely in the ten man rotation for a lot of other teams in the NBA. So, like. Mike Muscala, Derek Favors, and Kenrich Williams are really the only ones that you're not doing a stock report on because you know what you're getting from those guys. The other True. guys, including Shea, who is now figuring out, oh, on a bad <laughs> team with players that can't make a bucket unless your name is Mike Muscala, <laughs> typically you're, gonna, you're <laughs> going to dribble into double, uh, double teams or you're just going to be straight up hit with the zone that's not going to allow you to penetrate at all. So yeah. when people are like, man, Shay's just he needs to find his teammates more. Really? That that you want you want to see Bays shoot one of nine from three? Is that what you want? You, that that's what that's what you're looking for. You want to see Josh Giddy's <laughs> jump shot where he has like his his feet are like in a scissor motion where he has one foot in front of the other <laughs> instead of actually motion. having his feet planted <laughs> on the ground. That's what you want to see. Or do you want to see Shea take over a game? I don't know. Like, because this is where Shea becomes and makes his makes his medal as a superstar as far as finding ways to get past those double teams and finding ways into enable himself to become a better player, whether it's getting stronger, making his jump shot a lot better, and all that other stuff. And so, like it's a GRE is better than Bayes. I don't think a lot of people would disagree with that, Joseph. I think a lot of people would suggest that he's <laughs> fundamentally better than Baisley. Like, I don't know what you're getting at. So, yes, I'm I'm the one talking. Uh, that's so very, very good. You can say my name and type it instead of actually like subtweeting me, but actually on a live stream. So that's that's some that's my soapbox. I um Mark mentioned tonight the fact that. And, and Silva, I, I want to get your opinions on, on Poku here in just a second. Mark mentioned tonight, you're talking about this is where Shea cuts his teeth to learn to be a superstar. I've made the comparison to this is Devin Booker uh, on the on the horrible sons right yeah. now, right? And then uh, in a few years is when he, he kind of emerges into like what the sons are now, right? Devin Booker had to suffer on those bad teams and learn to play and be the man in order to come out on the other side. I... There's a little bit of that with Shea right now. And Mark mentioned tonight that, uh, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. Shea is the first line on every scouting report for whenever teams play against Oklahoma yeah. City. He's probably more like the first page, right? Um, but then there's also that stat that's been floating around. There is no player this season that experiences more double teams than Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Like He is facing more doubles than KD, than Harden, than Giannis. Uh, than Booker, than Steph, than anyone. And so I think that's um, that's also really telling. And you have to expect him to struggle with that, but there's there's beauty in that struggle because that's something that he can he can grow from. Silva, Poku flashes. Yeah, Poku's just fun at this point. Like, we're going to lose it almost every game. We're, like you always say, one win a week is all we're going to get. It's all we can expect. We got that Raptors see- game. It was fun. It was Ex- glorious. Exactly. The Raptors game was one of the funnest shit. games I've we had this season. We got by the Lakers, yeah, and but- we kind of got stomped by the Mavs. <laughs> yeah. I just want to see weird shit happen on the basketball court, <laughs> and Poku does that. Trey Mann does that, so I want to see them get 
more than 20 minutes a game every night. Like Poku is not getting more than 20 minutes every night. Yeah. Uh, he um, did tonight, I think, but tonight. Anymore. Let, let me ask you uh, this. It's 23. Yeah. A lot of people have asked me recently, like, why isn't Poku getting G League burn if he's not getting a ton of NBA minutes? Kind of like this. what we saw with Trey Mann. Um, I don't have an answer to that. I don't know. Um, Silva, what, what, what's your thoughts there? Do you think Poku a- should get G League burn or should he continue playing as. 15 to 18 minutes a night with the Thunder. I kind of think the Thunder have some weird plan for him also. Like, Poku's done with his G League development on our calendar, so therefore he's just going to get NBA minutes and that's it. Um, I really thought I thought Mark would be using the G League more than he currently is, like with more players. Especially like when are, he mentioned it. Yeah. He mentioned what you're saying, Silva. Yeah. So I, I do think it would help him, especially with his shot, because it, it, it doesn't yeah. look good. It, it, looks, well, it looks bad. And speaking of the shot... Um, Kalmir mentioned how it kind of like leans into that three pointer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but whenever Poku takes that, he catches at the at the perimeter and he takes that dribbler to in line, uh, in not in line inside, and then hits that little pull up J. Yeah. That one looks a lot more fluid, like a step or two, which a Poku step is like a yeah, goddamn half huge, mile. It's a leap, but, but to your yeah. point, I, it, it I looks do a lot smoother, you know. And so I think you know that's think kind of is? fascinating. I think he's getting his legs more into those in that kind of shot. You see him drop his hips more. Talk about JRE dropping his hips on the defensive end of the floor when he's guarding some of those perimeter guys, like the the play against um, James Harden when he was guarding Harden. And uh, was it Bradley Bills, the other one? I can't even remember now. Regardless, Poku's getting his hips more, er, his legs more into that shot when mm-hmm. he's taking a couple dribbles in compared to catch and shoot, where he just kind of like. Uh, like Kami I mentioned, you know, just kind of flings it up all upper body. I think that's why you see a lot of those shots, especially tonight, go kind of long. He's kind of heaving it. Um, he needs to have a lot more fluidity and get more legs into the shot. Um, that that was one thing I was going to mention as well was Poku's got to be able, and especially in these limited minutes that he's getting in the role that he's playing this season, he's got to be able to hit those open shots more frequently that guards like Shea, Lou, Giddy are creating for him. And the other thing, yeah, I was going to mention the same thing, Jacob. I, I tweeted this out on Saturday about the G League. Um, you don't have to send him down to the G League, like, or for, you know, on a road trip or something when the Thunder are going to, going to be on the road. But this season, specifically, you know, no G League bubble. Um, the Blue are playing in the same arena as the Thunder. You have nights, you know, d- the, the double headers, right, where the Blue are playing in the morning and the Thunder are playing in the evening. Why would you not throw Poku down there and let him handle the ball more? Um, just gain some confidence because we saw what happened. And I was listening to Justin's uh, post game podcast against the Lakers on Friday. And he mentioned, you know, Poku coming out of the G league bubble last season, the increased confidence and kind of what that did for the rest of his season, his development last year. I think you could have a similar effect sending him down there again. So it, it's weird that they have him, especially with the limited minutes too, that he's getting, I, I just find it strange that uh, they kind of have him in this very limited role this year and don't really want him to expand outside of that and aren't sending him down to the G League to expand his game. It, it, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know, there's been a lot of interesting things with Poku. They also have him defending guards most of the time mm-hmm. instead of wings, which I kind of find fascinating as well. You'd think he would guard wings more often. So, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see as we move forward. But there's something there. We've talked about it a lot. He struggled this season, obviously. Uh, but if he can find that stroke, find that rhythm... I think he does a lot of other things uh, very, very nicely. L- last thing I wanted to touch on before we get out of here, because because we've gone a lot longer than than I expected we would on some of this stuff. 
we've got to talk about it. It, it. It's December 15th is approaching. For those of you who do not know who listen to the show, December 15th is when the players that were signed this summer become trade eligible and really kicks off trade season. So we are quickly approaching that this coming Wednesday when most of the NBA will be trade eligible. With that being said, this past week, uh, reports coming out that Indiana may be looking to, I don't think Indiana will tank. Indiana's never tanked, but looking to maybe move off of one of their two bigs and Karis Levert. Um, we saw Carl Anthony Towns come out and basically just talk about, I hate life and I hate playing in Minnesota and everything sucks and the food doesn't even taste good. I don't want to yeah. be around anymore. <laughs> um, we we have reinvigorated talks of uh, Ben Simmons and how the Philadelphia 76ers will, will need a third team to probably facilitate a trade there. So I'm interested in the, the first thing that, that came across with, with the Indiana news. Oh, the Thunder should go get Miles Turner. Oh, the Thunder should go get uh, DeMontis Sabonis. Bring back Sabonis. We know how much that front office loves Sabonis. Yep. So I wanted to get your guys' opinions on, as the trade season approaches, um, what should people expect from Oklahoma City? Um, Silva, let's start with you. I sort of think we could trade a guy like Bayes. Who a guy that or just a guy who might not see playing time next season because of a draft pick that that we expect to come in. So a guy like Bays, I could see us trading. Uh, I don't see us trading. Uh, obviously, any of our rookies this year. Uh, I could see us sending Derek Favors out for another like younger, a younger big. Um, I, you know, I'd like for us to trade Taylor Maladon so I don't have to watch him play basketball anymore. Um, beyond beyond that, I'm not sure. I hope we don't trade Ty Jerome or Kenrich just because I really like those dudes. Uh, I think they could help once we are trying to be successful in the regular season. Um, but that's I don't expect us to do a ton, no. Are you willing to give up draft picks to get off of Bays and to get off of Favors considering that both of them have not played well? No. Then you are likely not getting off of Bays or Favors. Yeah, unless it's like a, a, a desperate play, like uh, Milwaukee, who just had who just lost Brook Lopez. If they just like need another big, and they want to trade, I don't know how much uh, Favors is making right now. Maybe they could trade. I think like it's a, ten million this year and ten yeah. mil next year. Yeah, it's that's quite a bit. And I think yeah. I think Favors is there partially to mentor uh, some of the younger guys, despite the fact that I don't know, like the way the way he talks, um, it's it's not that great. Um, He's Horford, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and so when I think of all the guys that are there, um there's 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 not a lot of trading chips that OKC has other than simply their draft picks. Mm-hmm. And so I mean And their star who, players who, that they probably want to hold on to. Yeah, <laughs> it's like who 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 are you gonna trade? You know, like who like you're you're not gonna be able to trade deck. You're not going to trade Watson for like I don't know why. Why is Watson getting minutes at that's 26 a, years old? For, like I don't yeah, that, understand. That was that's the head scratcher one to me that, too. That blows my mind. Yep. Uh, really I, I could see you know just trading Isaiah Roby and a second rounder for nothing. But like I think I think that part of the reason why Favors is an OKC and then the reason why he finishes career at out in OKC is considerably just because OKC has like no big contracts besides Shea's next year, and they need to meet that cap floor. 
And so that 10 mil goes a long way in doing that. Yeah. Uh, as far as the others, I have no idea what to expect. I expect maybe a boring deadline because again, Sam Presti's been has made this clear from the exact start. This is going to be a process and it's going to be a long process to where it's not just getting into the playoffs. It's we've arrived, not we just got there. And so we need to differentiate between the two because they're to those are those are to two totally different concepts yep. that need to be acknowledged getting there and arriving in his concepts um from his perspective mean totally different things and people need to acknowledge that trading yep. for a turner or a sabonis gets you gets you to that playoff appearance but to your point call it's not really an arrival unless you consider a first round exit for consecutive years uh, in arrival <laughs> Yeah, right. and, and become the Pacers of the West. The, the thing with like, I love Demontis Sabonis, and I actually think he fits a lot of what they want this team to do: high IQ basketball, moving he's the ball. Twenty-five. He's twenty-five. I don't know him more than Chero or Chet or yeah, Joy Smith or. If you go get Yama, Sabonis now, two years from now, yeah, you're you're drafting at position twelve through sixteen for the next three years. Exactly. You know, and that's not getting you to your ultimate destination now. If this that's was the issue, that's the issue that Indiana's running into is that they're exactly. constantly right. in the middle. You're in pur- you're in purgatory every mm-hmm. single year. So you're not winning, you're not losing, you're getting middle of the road draft picks and hoping something good happens. And that's just not the way it works, especially with Indiana. They're not a destination, so they need to blow it up. One hundred percent. That article I think it was from the Athletic, but just in a nutshell, sound like ownership. Like ownership's finally accepting this. Why is he accept? Why is the owner accepting this? Well, because he's super old and literally mentioned in the article that he's about to die and won't see the rebuild through. So, like, <laughs> unless you can trade for LeBron James, I love right? It. And that's why he's now, held off on a rebuild. Yeah. Now, if we were having this conversation 365 days from now, and Jabari Smith or um, Paulo Banquero uh, or Jaden Ivey is on this team. Uh, and and another rookie, and we're having this talk about adding Demontis Sabonis. I think it's exactly. a very different conversation. A different conversation, yeah. But at this point, right now, your best chance to reach that arrival level uh, to get back not just into I'm competing to be in the play-in, but I'm a perennial Western Conference Finals appearance team is getting very elite young talent. You're going to get that through the draft. But yeah, if you it, feel, it feels like this conversation is like a year or two too early. And in a, and I mean, also for people that want Sabonis, again, I love Sabonis. What do you have to trade Indiana right now in this moment to get DeMontis Sabonis? Because I think Sabonis it's Josh Giddy. Yeah. yeah. I think it's Josh Giddy and picks. And it's not Dorton picks. Like Dorton picks no. doesn't, doesn't cut it. DeMontis Sabonis has made two all-star Maybe. teams. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're trading one of your blue chip pieces um, to get a guy that's already off his rookie contract. uh, That's going to pull you to the middle and prevent you from getting elite young talent because your draft pick won't be good enough. And so I, uh, I think I just don't see it happening. That's kind of where I guess just to kind of answer the question. That's where I see OKC um, getting involved in trades. I don't see it being a, a big splashy move. I don't see it being for even a, a young player that could maybe contribute I think it's primarily going to be um, in a in a way to assist, you know, 
a, a bigger trade happening. For example, a Ben Simmons trade, mm-hmm. um, maybe a Miles Turner or a Sabonis trade. And maybe you end up getting like a Marvin Bagley in return, or maybe you just get draft picks. In See, return. I think getting Marvin Bagley would be fun, but I don't even know if the Thunder are going to trade for a player, even if they're on a rookie right. contract that's about to hit restricted free agency or extension eligible. Because your cap sheet is so clean right now, they probably want to take that into the new CBA and be That's armed key. with everything kind of laid before them. Like the table that is bare and they get to key. choose what they want to do. And I was thinking about that, that this weekend. Like, I think we probably are in, you know, you get a pick next season and maybe, maybe Apollo or a Chet or whoever it is, Jabari Smith or somebody they pick. Jabari Smith is growing on me. I love Jabari Smith. And we need to all, uh, all of us, uh, reach out to Nick and Justin as well. I will be there in January when Auburn plays uh, at Norman. Anyways, all that to say, maybe one of those players that they pick in this upcoming draft end up being so good and blowing our expectations out of the water that Presty does go ahead and push the button um, next season and starts to like, you know, trade some of these picks and and players to really build a contender. I think that to Jacob's point is coming two seasons from now. You have a season similar to this one next season, right? You get your draft pick in 2023. It's supposed to be very, very deep in terms of top uh, top level talent. And you also have a good idea of the, the new CBA, new TV contract deal. And you're able to kind of build your, your team around that. Yeah. And maybe this is wishful thinking on my part. But let's say you land a top three pick this year and you get one of those top three guys. Yep. And then at this time next year, we're talking about a team that's six games, five games above 500 because you have... Shea, who's been through the fire. You have Lou, who's been through the fire. You've got second-year Giddy. Um, you've got your your rookie that's blowing all expectations, kind of a, an Evan Mobley type. If at that point, the Carl Anthony trade demands start to spike, that's when you can start cashing in chips. You know, that that's when you can put exactly. the final piece in the puzzle. But you you can't start trying to find those final pieces when you don't even know what the damn puzzle looks like. You know, I don't know. Just my two cents. I like cash and I like chips. What's your favorite <laughs> kind of chips? I'm gonna go That's Cool a- Ranch. I'm gonna go Cool Ranch Doritos. Cool Ranch. I like mm-hmm. spicy nacho cheese. The spicy nacho Doritos are typically my go-to, but I'll I'll eat regular nacho cheese Doritos, Cool Ranch Doritos. I like Cool Ranch. Yeah. What about yeah. Miss Vicky's uh, jalapeno chip? That is my chips. number Those one. Those are like my go-to during lunch because typically they come in little small bags. I mean, you can get them in the big bags, but yeah. they're almost always at all sandwich shops or whatever. So I'll get them for lunch a lot. Yeah, those are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Love Miss Vicky's. How do you guys mm-hmm. feel about the baked chips? The ba- I go baked I like all them. the times. Mm-hmm. I, I like the. I, like I think them. the baked Cheetos, low key, are like better than regular Cheetos. It's the text. It's Summer, the texture. There's more crisp texture. to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I don't like the regular, just baked lays. Like the regular lays that are baked, they just taste like cardboard. But baked barbecue lays, mm-hmm. nah, that's, those are good. Yeah. The the baked rough cheddar, cheddar and sour cream ruffles. Okay. Pretty good. <laughs> you lost me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um. I don't do sour. Cream. Do you guys ever eat Fritos by themselves? Yeah. Only Sometimes in times of death. are pretty okay. You can be oh. a psychopath like our co-host Justin and dip them in a Cool Whip. Yeah, okay. I just remembered that. Okay. He would like he would <laughs> if he were here, he would defend Man. himself and say it was one time and he was pleasantly surprised, yeah. but still, no. still I'm out. That's still. not okay. <laughs> I only no. eat Fritos if the cupboard is bare. 
yeah, really bro. fritos are fantastic even though like you know it's it's corn chips and stuff like that but, like <laughs> like with chili every time I'm, yeah I'm right gonna, every time that, if you thing, guys man. are going just regular potato chips are you going like lace potato chips are you going the ones with the ridges kettle cook like Kamara mentioned, little Vicky's. Oh, the kettle cooked ones yeah, the kettle are. Cooked they have a lot right, yeah, of yeah. crunch to them. Those are yeah. good. Yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep. Mm. I think I'm with you. All right, you got uh, any <laughs> anything else now that we're uh, we're at the chip talk? Anything else before uh, we get out of here for the evening? How many? Got, uh, what kind of chips do you think Zion eats, and how many bags per sitting? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> uh, okay, considering how that, much he weighs, like y'all, th- y'all thought. Like I was just under the guise of calling him Fat Julius Randall just because he was a that massive is, Julius Randall. That has aged so but, well. Like, it wasn't like just line. the fact that he was Fat Julius Randall. I it's that was like partially instrumentally an issue of mine, especially especially once he comes into the season being way overweight. Like people don't, especially if you're not playing basketball every day or practice and you might have an off day here or there but people don't realize even playing pickup once a week if you're going up there and you're jumping up that high because zion likes to use his athleticism and you have all that weight coming down on your knees and your feet on the hardwood it doesn't matter like how many dr shoals inserts you, you're gonna put in those damn basketball shoes <laughs> you're it's right. not gonna last right and so like it like it, it he needs to he needs to go to like Miami and get a change of scenery and drop like sixty pounds to actually be effective. Like I'm afraid he's. I don't want to say this. Good. It's a health. It's a health. It's a how health many issue. times have we seen that foot, that broken foot, that broken toe, um, and big men in the NBA and their careers never be the same. Like remember when he ripped enemies. out of the PGs? Mm-hmm. It's like, bro, it's not the yep. PGs. It's you. Like yep. you need to fix that. And people wanted to blame it on the shoes, like like Spike Lee. It's all about the shoes. Like, no, bro. It's it's about you <laughs> and 330 pounds and being able to play defensive linemen in the NFL. Like, that's what it is. Yeah, you picked yeah. the wrong sport. Come on. It's like, like if he, <laughs> also, if, shout out to Luca coming into camp at 260. Geez. Oh, my gosh. Like, three consecutive years. That's I think Joel Embiid weight, told me tonight. Yeah, but he can still – at least he can still ball, you know. He can still move around without, yeah, damaging his I'm, feet and knees. Hey, Wednesday night, Thunder play the Pelicans. Speaking of the Pelicans, and I'll be in attendance, and it'll be a little bit of a gap because I have to drive home and then do the post game pod. But there will be a post game pod that that night. Hey, well. there you go. Sounds fun. Sweet. Yeah, I'm I'm worried about Zion and Same. the future of his career because when he yeah. was healthy, twenty seven seven and four. I mean, he was a monster. Yeah, I don't think but he eats potato also, chips. I think he eats like French fries instead of potato chips at all times. And po boys. I, and I don't. Gumbo and so all, all of us here. So we're. we're dragging on way too long but all of us here are like at least somewhat into fitness and like we go to the gym and stuff so we understand like the amount of calories you have to eat to like lose weight or maintain or gain weight i don't know what the calorie number for a six eight 330 pound 24 year old to gain weight is but it's really damn high yeah mm-hmm. also you got to think about i mean he's got injuries He's sidelined. He's not maybe he can't run. He, yeah. he can't run. He's he's not he's not given clearance for activity. So like, what do you do? You know, like yeah. you, you just sit around, weights, upper body, and, and <laughs> if you're not working, you're not working with the team nutritionist. Um, then you're gonna gain. And yep. in his in his case, 
that's a guy that relies on his athleticism and in his explosiveness, uh, especially at a, a, a massive size. Like he could honestly be Charles Barkley. That's I was about to make that call. If he wanted to be, he could be Charles Barkley. If he's slimmed down just early career, Charles. Yeah. He could be Charles Barkley. If he's slimmed down just a little bit and he's he's built like 60 year old, but he has decided like, and part of it is because of like the injuries that he's gone through. And I understand that, but he hasn't done himself any favors. Yeah. 